Charlie. All right, we continue in Habakkuk. We are still in Habakkuk chapter 2, a very rich uh, chapter. Habakkuk uh, chapter 2. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and never watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blessings and goodness. And God, uh, I thank you that we can rest in your love because truly no one has ever cared for us like, like you have. And uh, we have no reason to doubt, uh, Lord, you, because of your great love and your great power and your great wisdom, uh, God, we, uh, we have nothing to fear. Uh, and so, Lord, I thank you and I praise you. And Lord, I'm looking to you now, and I just pray that you'd help me to, to preach and teach and uh, help my voice to heal up and others struggling with that too, Brother Charlie and others. And uh, Please give us grace and healing, God. And, uh, and Father, I, uh, I thank you for the services this morning and for the word that went forth. And Father, I pray that uh, it would just be fruitful in our hearts and lives. Dear God, we do praise uh, your blessed Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and we do worship Thee, I pray, tonight in spirit and in truth. And God, I'm thankful for those with us uh, online as well, for each one here tonight. And, and once again, uh, as we consider uh, your prophet and who, uh, whom you are directing and working with him in his life at this time, and uh, Lord, might we uh, learn from this and might we, might we grow by it, speak to our hearts and <clears throat> be with those who would be with, with the children tonight and fill with thy spirit as well. And and Father, I do thank you uh, for this church. I thank you for each one here. I thank you that uh, we have, uh, have people that have learned the Word of God and are being faithful to the Word of God and, and, uh, and trying, Father, what we are to live according to it. And we need your strength and grace in that. And, and Father, I thank you and praise you. Uh, grow us more like Christ uh, tonight. And uh, bless, bless the hearts that are open to your Word tonight. And help us to receive it, and just just that we be conformed more to the image of Christ. And Father, Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name for His glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so Habakkuk is looking for an answer uh, from God, and uh, why does he keep? Uh, why does uh, iniquity abound and God doesn't seem to chasten it? And, and uh, God has said that he will chasten it, that chastisement is coming from the Chaldeans. They are going to be coming from the north. And God is going to use them to punish Judah for those sins and for that continued uh, wickedness. And uh, Habakkuk is shocked at that as well. Well, uh, Lord, if that happens, then they're going to be encouraged in their sin. I mean, they, you know, they, they, they're, they're violent and, and they're just out for, uh, to steal and rob. And, and when they succeed in that, they're kind of getting sealed into that. And, uh, and, uh, uh, and so, you know, so uh, I don't understand. And that's the key is to remember that tobacco is, is expressing a true, truly that he does not understand. And so he does want an answer from God. And he is patiently, I'll set me on the watchtower. Picture of a patient waiting. 
a picture of also of a, a looking away from earthly things and a looking to God for direction, for a message, by the way, that he can apply and that he can send on to others. Uh, and so we see that kind of earnestness in the life of Habakkuk here, whose name means embrace. And uh, so the Lord answers him, verse 2, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But the end, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. And uh, again, as I mentioned, a very rich passage. Um, this uh, phrase here uh, has, uh, has application to what's going on in Habakkuk's life with the coming of the Chaldeans. And uh, there'll be some applications of those things to follow. Uh, it also has applications to, uh, to Israel or to Judah in the message that the prophets are, are, are preaching to Judah. And what, what are they preaching? They're preaching, surrender to the king of Babylon and live. If you rebel, you die. That's basically it. If you surrender, you'll be taken captive, but you can live in the land and you can prosper there and grow. But if you resist, you're going to lose your life. Ezekiel talked about that in some chapters in Ezekiel that some try to use to say you can lose your salvation. But he's talking about physical death there and the situation. See, God has given them, in that sense, an option of faith. You can believe me and surrender and go, go with the Chaldeans and live, not talking about spiritually in that sense, or you cannot believe me. Remember, and by the way, they, they did not. Remember, we looked at that passage earlier. He was talking about, whoa, whoa, you despisers and wonder. They did not believe. Or you cannot believe me, what? And die. And, uh, and that's what would happen. That was Physically, that's what would happen. That was the particular call of God for them at this time. Ezekiel talk, talk, talks about that in, in his chapters. And so they had that choice. So in that case, the choice of faith would be what? To go with the Chaldeans. Uh, and then we also see that, uh, that this, this phrase here, uh, 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 the just shall live by faith, we know that it's repeated again for us in the, in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul uh, uh, repeats it uh, in, uh, in Galatians, probably one of his er earliest letters. He repeats it in, in his letter to the Romans, which he wrote while he was on his third missionary journey there uh, in uh, 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 his, uh, yes, third mission, or his third missionary journey there in, uh, in Corinth. He wrote Romans. And then the writer of Hebrews also uses, uses that phrase. And we'll look at how New, the New Testament uh, saints apply that uh, even, to our, even to our salvation. One of the things that we can learn about Old Testament prophecies and Old Testament writings when we read about them in the New Testament is to remember this. Uh, the New Testament, the Bible says, what in Hebrews, they are a shadow of things to come. A shadow of things to come, okay? So uh, if someone's coming around the corner and they got a light behind them and you see their shadow first, you see it coming, uh, and then they turn a corner and you see them, which one provides more details? The latter, doesn't it? 
The shadow doesn't provide more details. It's when the clearer comes, that's when you see more clearly. So anytime you see the Old Testament is a shadow of things to come. So anytime you see the New Testament uh, applying the Old Testament, the New Testament, uh, and there's additional information or such, the New Testament is shedding more light on the Old Testament passage. It's not the case where, well, the, you know, the, the Old Testament came first and the New Testament came later talking about it, so some of the meaning might have faded away. The most of the riches is probably in the Old Testament. Not the case. Not the case. The light has, shi- light has shined in the New Testament. And if God meant something for an example of a spiritual example as well, that, that will be revealed in the New Testament. Amen? And uh, sometimes specifically, sometimes there's just a lot of, of good pictures and illustrations because the Bible says... Again, it's a shadow of things to come. Uh, and there are many things that illustrate New Testament truths that aren't necessarily said specifically to do that in the New Testament. But we see them all through the Old Testament. So an application that we, uh, that, that we uh, make there. But for tonight, we're going to look at it. Uh, we're going to look at this passage uh, at least one more night. For tonight, we're just going to look at this passage, how it specifically applies to the case of Habakkuk and to the coming of, uh, of the Chaldeans because it has first and foremost an immediate application. And so we're going to look at the immediate application first, then we'll look at the other. Obviously, it's going to apply to Habakkuk himself. We're going to look at chapter 3 and say, wow, I mean, th- this, this really affected this guy's heart. He, he learned something from this, even though it's, it's not the first application is not directly to him. We're going to see that. Uh, it's to the Chaldeans, but so we'll continue there. Uh, so he's going to he's going to uh, 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 we'll look at the 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 general application the the of the context here in this time of Habakkuk. First of all, he says, "The Lord answered me uh, uh, and said, Write the vision, make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come." So, Habakkuk is supposed to write this out. Why? Because it's not come yet. This what God is talking about is future for Habakkuk. Now, it's not too far, too far in the future. Well, actually, it's the fall of the Chaldeans, so it is probably a century or so into the future from Habakkuk. Because uh, Babylon would reign, what, 70 years, okay? And uh, so it, it's future, but that's relatively near future as far as biblical prophecy, okay? And uh, so he wants him to write it down so that you will have it, the Jews will have it. And by the way, we have it today, don't we? I'm, he, God says, I like what Agent Rogers says, write it clear, plain, and straight, okay? And just so people uh, will understand it. So that those who get it, what? Uh, 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 that he may run that readeth it. That is, the, you understand the message, understand this, and go and spread it. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and do these things. Uh, write it out. Uh, the plain writing of the vision has not only kept the message clear for the Jews, but also we are reading it here today, that we also may know the wisdom and power of God that was revealed to Habakkuk that day. Holy men of God have run under the divine inspiration and preservation of the Scriptures to deliver us the message today that we may run what and deliver it to another. And that's what we do continually with, uh, with the Word of God. Uh, God's answer is... is, is uh, for Habakkuk is most profound, has multiple applications. We're looking at the immediate one uh, tonight. Uh, 
So God has just shown Habakkuk in, in the immediate context here that he is going to use the Chaldeans to judge Judah for her wickedness. Uh, the Chaldeans will come and conquer Judah with merciless cruelty. We've seen that in the previous verses. Uh, however, God has also shown Habakkuk that the king of Babylon will become proud and pass over was the words God used, imputing the victories of his kingdom to himself. We saw that in Habakkuk 1.10. They'll come, the Babylonians, they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap a dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing his power unto his God. And remember last week, we look forward. And we saw Daniel's, uh, uh, we saw that in Daniel chapter 3 where the actual event took place. That, that's year, that, that's ahead of, uh, of tobacco's, tobacco, Habakkuk's time. And uh, uh, boy, that was weird. Uh, it was ahead of Habakkuk's time. I'm probably going to bust it out. Ahead of tobacco's, uh, Habakkuk's time. And uh, uh, God, don't let me go back to that, please. Uh, uh, but uh, it's ahead of Habakkuk's time. And, uh, and we, we looked at that, and, and Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. And so, uh, so he's, he's, he's getting these prophecies. Others uh, would, would be experiencing them, like Daniel. Uh, now, uh, we saw that fulfillment in Daniel chapter 3. Now, in the verses remaining in chapter 2, God reveals to Habakkuk the sins of the Chaldeans and the judgment of God that is going to come upon them for their sins. Okay? Uh, so we'll, we'll work our way down here through chapter 2 here, uh, we're looking in that regards for tonight. Uh, uh, God had already revealed that the king of Babylon would, would become lifted up uh, in pride. Habakkuk 1, 11. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing his power unto his God. So what was the first problem we see? Pride. Pride. And what did we read here in Habakkuk 2.4? Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. That's talking about pride. God's, he, he's, it, the first application is still to the king of Babylon. Uh, and we see that because of the following verses. We won't even deal with, but the just shall live by his, by his faith tonight. We're just going to deal with these things that deal with the Chaldeans. But his soul which is lifted up in him is, 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 is not upright in him. So the immediate application relates to the judgment that will come upon Babylon for proudly crediting their victory over Judah to their own military strength and their, and their false gods. And uh, uh, God had just revealed that uh, uh, about the king of Babylon uh, being, being proud. All, that, all these things are future for, for Habakkuk. So the immediate application is, is that the king of Babylon, whose soul is lifted up, and therefore he is not upright within he is not just or right before God in his pride. He is, in fact, wrong and unjust, and he had plenty of evidence before him which should have kept him from coming to that conclusion. Now, remember, I'm speaking in past tense, but these things are yet to happen uh, for, for, for Habakkuk. What are those reasons that he should have not lifted himself up? We talked some about, him, about them last week. Isaiah had already prophesied a century earlier so about about God using Babylon uh, to conquer Judah, and, and then God using other nations to conquer Babylon for their pride. That had already been prophesied a hundred years ago. And uh, 
And, and uh, so uh, the, the king of Babylon, uh, by the way, Jeremiah had, had, had prophesied what? The fall of Babylon, didn't he? And, uh, and the king of Babylon's own military officers, when they did conquer uh, Jerusalem, said what? We know your God's done this. You know, your God said this. So the king of Babylon had no reason uh, to, to be lift himself up in pride. Uh, his own officers acknowledged that, that, the, that the God of Israel had prophesied this. Jeremiah had said it. Uh, uh, there were prophecies. I don't know how, how much he knew about, uh, about uh, uh, the prophecies of Isaiah. He could have learned some of those things uh, from, from Daniel for sure. Uh, Daniel was a ruler and, had, and would have had access to whatever scriptures uh, that, they, that the Babylonians brought with them and, uh, from, from Judah. So he certainly uh, probably knew much about what God had said and had no reason, uh, no excuse for the pride. Uh, judgment from God often is associated with light received or rejected. Uh, rather than we, we look at the, with the awfulness of sin. Well, most of the time it's, it deals with light rejected. The more light we reject, the, the, the stricter the judgment is. And, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and so we need to, to consider that. So the first sin that God mentions towards Babylon is pride, which God condemns. He's lifted up in him. Uh, he, he imputes it to his own God, this victory. And I was thinking about that. You know, the fact is, I like what Brother uh, Chris uh, Bickish shared, and just, just, just about pride. You know, the, the Bible said, the Bible simply says, nothing good about pride. There's nothing. There is nothing good to say about pride in the Bible. Well, I could be proud about that. Well, you can be, but the Bible didn't say anything good about it, okay? There's just nothing good to be said about it. Why is that? Well, let me just put it this way, maybe just to, as a way of understanding, because pride has an eye in the middle. See, if my kids turn out well, is that something that I did? No, it's, some, it's what? It's something that God blessed me with, amen? So in a sense, what hast thou that thou didst not receive, amen? If it's a good thing, it's something that God blessed me with. Well, should I be proud about that or thankful about that? I think thankful is the better term, amen? And I think, I think that, that, ought to, ought, that ought to replace the term pride that we use so often. If we live in a great country, isn't that because of God's mercies? Is that something in us that we've done? Then I think I would probably be, it'd probably be more pleasing to God to say, I'm thankful to live in America, amen? Uh, because it's not something that America has pulled out of her own heart and accomplished something apart from God. If something good has happened, it's, it, it's been handed down to us in some way from God. Uh, and, so, uh, uh, and so we can, we can, uh, we can think about that. Uh, uh, I, I thought about studying some time ago. I looked up uh, the first reference of complaint in Numbers 11. 1. When the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and His anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. You say, well, what was it, preacher? We'll never know. God wouldn't tell us. We have no idea what they complained about. And it's the first mention of complaint in the Bible, law of first mention. Many times you go to the first place, first place that some truth is mentioned like that, oftentimes that, there's a truth there that carries out with that thing uh, th through the Scripture. God just doesn't like complaining. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, uh, and so uh, 
uh, and it's, now we're not talking about you know having a, uh, you know, an open heart like Habakkuk does. He, he's he's got a, he's got earnest earnest questions, and he's wanting to find to, to find those things out. But pride, pride, how dangerous! Pride is just not a good thing. I like what uh, <clears throat> uh, boy his name just flew out of my head. Uh, one uh, commentator uh, said about pride said, "Here is the rich man." It says, pride is everywhere and takes all manner of shapes. Here is the rich man, proud of what he has. There is the poor man, proud of his honor in having less. Here is the talented man, proud of what he can do. There is the man with few talents, proud of his hard work. There is the religious man, proud of his religion. There is the unbeliever, proud of his unbelief. Here's the established man, proud of his place in society. There is the countercultural man, proud of his outcast status. Here's the learned man, proud of his intelligence and learning. Here's the simple man, proud of his simplicity. Spurgeon said about pride, if there is a sin that's universal, it's this. Where is it not to be found? Hunt among the highest and the loftiest in the world, and you shall find it there. And then go and search amongst the poorest and the most miserable, and you shall find it there. There may be as much pride inside a beggar's rags as inside a prince's robe. And a harlot may be as proud as a model of chastity. Pride is a strange creature. It never objects to its lodgings. It will comfortably, uh, uh, it will live comfortably enough in a palace, and it will live equally at its ease in a hovel. I had to look that up. It's just an old shack ready to fall down that you're happy to live in anyway. <laughs> it lives equally in a hovel. Is there any man who's in? Is there any man in whose heart pride does not lurk? No, it's always there. We're, you know, it's, it's always it's one of those temptations. It's like our mouth, you know. It's never tamed. We always have to watch it, you know. Watch the bars don't get loose, you know what I'm saying? And uh, that's why that's why James wrote, wrote wrote the way that he did. And pride is always always there. It's something we always have to watch for. Uh, so so first, the first sin, interesting that God condemns in Bab- about the Bab- Babylon is what pride. Seven things does, does the Lord hate, you know, does the Lord hate, seven are abomination. What's the first look? A proud look. A proud look. And so the things that will flow from that. He continues in verse 5. Yea, also, because he transgresseth by wine, he is a proud man. So the wine and proud kind of work together. Because he's proud, he drinks, and because he drinks, he gets more proud. Uh, Yea, also, notice also the link, also in verse 5 links it back to pride in verse 4. So showing that we're, that we're talking in the first and foremost about, about this person that is this way, and specifically uh, Babylon and the king of Babylon. Yea, also because he transgresseth by wine, he's a proud man. Yea, the keeper of that home who enlargeth his desire is hell, <coughs> Excuse me, and is as death, and cannot be satisfied. But gathereth unto him all nations, and heapeth unto him all people. Drunkenness, drunkenness, pride leading to drunkenness. Uh, oh, the, 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 the socially accepted sin, uh, alcohol. 
and uh, uh, we ought to stay away from it. We ought to stay far away from it. Like Brother Travis was saying, that abstaining from wine has to do with keeping a distance from not, not being around it and, and get, 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 getting away from it. You know, how, how uh, clear God's word is and unchanging. Oh, the fentanyl in the country. It hadn't killed near as many as alcohol. It hadn't killed near as many as alcohol. Oh, this or that. You know, well, it's a gateway drug. Hey, my, my gate, the gateway to the drugs at all that I did when I was a teenager was alcohol. Okay? And that's socially acceptable. Well, it's not, listen, folks, it's not acceptable to God. Amen? Stay away from it. And, uh, and uh, and it led them uh, that their pride led them led them to that to that drunkenness. You can't help but think when he's talking about the destruction of Babylon. You can't think, help but think about Belshazzar's drunken party he was having when the Medes and Persians were 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 ready, were ready to come in and take and take the city. Uh, in Daniel chapter five, uh, he calls in Daniel. That's this is where he sees the, the hand writing on the wall. He's having his his drunken party, and so he, so he hears about Daniel. He calls in Daniel. Daniel's a wise man, be be very elderly at the time that he calls him in. And so Daniel rebukes him. And he says, you should have learned from Nebuchadnezzar because he was proud and God humbled him. And he ended up confessing that that God God was really in control of things. He says in Daniel 5.20, talking to Belshazzar, Daniel says, but when his heart, Nebuchadnezzar, was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with dew of heaven. Till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointed over it whomsoever he will. Now his son, O Belshazzar, has not humbled thy heart, that though thou knewest all this, but hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know, and the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are thy ways thou hast not glorified. And then Daniel reads, reads to him that writing on the wall. He says, here's the interpretation of your writing. He goes on to say in Daniel, uh, in, Daniel uh, in 28, verse 28, uh, 28 of that chapter, he says, he, says, uh, uh, <clears throat> he says, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put chains of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. In that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain, and Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. Drunkenness! And by the way, that was a... That was a, just a blasphemy toward God, taking those vessels that were taken from the sanctuary and having all his concubines drink the vessels of wine in that. And, uh, and, uh, and God would bring, interesting how God would bring judgment upon them. Uh, talks about that drunkenness. Middle of verse 5 here. Who enlarges his desire as hell and is as death that cannot be satisfied. Uh, and uh, just seeking the things of the world. The Chaldeans 
led by their king in prideful drunkenness, seek the lusts of their flesh to satisfy their soul. Uh, <clears throat> remember we saw in Habakkuk 1.9, they shall all come for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east with everything they want to devour, everything they want they'll take. Uh, they shall gather the captivity as the sand. However, you see, as Habakkuk 2.5 in the middle says, who enlarges his desire as hell it is as, and is as death and cannot be satisfied. The flesh can never be satisfied. And uh, a few things about that. The soul can never be satisfied apart from God. Every time, they attain, every time they attain the sinful desire, they find their desire has simply morphed into a greater desire for more of the same thing or for something else. It just morphs into another desire. And it goes on and on and on and on. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 5.10 He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This also is vanity. And uh, uh, Proverbs 21.17 He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. You might scratch your head and say, well, wait a minute. I know some people that love, love wine and oil, and they seem to get a lot of it. Well, you have to understand that in Proverbs, many times the Bible, the Bible is talking about true riches, the true riches. Now, Proverbs 13, 7, There is that make himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that make himself poor, what? Yet hath great riches. You can have a whole lot of money and be a very poor person. And, uh, and by the way, some of the rich that have attained that, attained that, understand that a lot better than you and I do. They, 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 and so uh, the, the Bible is true. Who enlarges his desire is hell and is death and cannot be satisfied. Comparing it to hell and death, not being satisfied. Proverbs 27, 20. Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. And on and on they go around that circle like the like the greyhound chasing the rabbit, like the dog chasing the tail, uh, and, uh, uh, and as death, larger the desire is hell, and is as death. Think about that. Uh, Proverbs 30, 30, 30 and verse 15. There are three things that are never satisfied, yea, four things say not it is enough. The grave is the first one made. The grave always wants more. Uh, the devil always wants more dead. And, uh, and, and the grave is always open to receive more. And, uh, and so that's the way that that sin was. As righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. Proverbs eleven nineteen. People that are seeking to fulfill their lives with sin don't realize they're pursuing their own death. They're, getting, they're drawing their own death closer. And... Uh, uh, and and uh, what, what a sad thing, what a sad thing. <clears throat> Verse 6 of Habakkuk 2. Shall not all these, all these that have been overrun by the kingdom of Babylon, all these that have been violently treated by the king of Babylon, all these that have been robbed, uh, all these that have seen that violence, shall not all these take up a parable against him and a taunting proverb against him and say, Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his. How long? And to him that laid himself with thick clay. Most of the commentators uh, would mention, and the Hebrew word there has, has uh, something to do with pledges. And uh, 
uh, could be talking about uh, robbery and violence and the taking of pledges. You might remember that uh, when uh, <coughs> Jehoiada Kim uh, reigned, uh, uh, and we think that Habakkuk was likely uh, prophesying during some of his reign there, uh, in his days Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came up and Jehoiakim became his servant three years and he turned and rebelled against him. He likely made some kind of a pledge to the king of Babylon. We'll give you this, this amount of uh, silver or something, and we'll serve you. Well, he broke that pledge. But the king of Babylon might have took some kind of a pledge on a clay tablet or something and, they, uh, and did those things. Uh, some people believe that's what he's talking about when it says make, made himself heavy with, with the clay. Uh, so, in other words, stealing uh, all you can. And, and when people don't have enough, okay, well, give me a pledge. You're going to pay me in the future then. And we're, we'll, we'll get it when you have it. And uh, go, go, going even that far. <clears throat> uh, verse 7. Shall they not rise up suddenly that bite thee? And awake that shall vex thee? And thou shalt be for booties unto them? Because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee. Uh, because of men's blood and for the violence of the land of the city and all that dwell therein. In other words, shall not he, this king of Babylon, reap what he's sown? <laughs> oh yeah, he will. Uh, Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, what? That shall he also reap. That shall he also reap. <clears throat> he has credited the power of the one true God, or will in the future, uh, to his own military might and his false gods. And shall not God use the remainder of the nations to judge him? even as God has used him to judge Judah for her pride and iniquity? Yes, he will. He already said he would through Isaiah, through Jeremiah, and through others. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. And the Medes and the Persians, as we just read, would eventually come together uh, uh, to conquer Babylon. <clears throat> God pronounces uh, woes to Babylon uh, and all who would do the following things. Verse 9, Woe to him that coveted, an evil covetousness to his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. In other words, through robbery and through evil, they want to get themselves to such a financially secure place that no evil can harm me. You know, if I'm the one everybody fears, then what have I to fear? If I'm the one that's doing all the robbing, who's going to rob me, you see? And they think they're going to be, get themselves to a safe place by that kind of thinking. Uh, uh, verse 10, Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people, has sinned, and has sinned against thy soul. For the stone shall cry out of the wall, and the beam out of the timber shall answer it. Hey, the word's going to get around, and people aren't going to like you. Uh, people are going to want to get to you for what you've done to them. You know, the world saying is not do others as you have them done unto you. It's do others before they do unto you. And, uh, and by the way, if they get to you first, then get them back even better when you can. That, that, that's the way the world looks at it. And all those people that have been so abused, all that hatred is building up there. <coughs> and they will come together. Uh, and they will uh, be involved in conquering uh, the, king, uh, the king of Babylon. Uh, they had coveted with an evil covetousness. There is some good covetousness. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, covet earnestly the best gifts. Paul's writing to the church there. 
And he's saying, you know, they were, they were misusing their gifts and such. And he says, covet earnestly the best gifts. There's some gifts that were going to fade away. And Paul says, as you're praying for the, for the church to grow, you need to, you, need, you need to covet the best gifts. Some of those were like the teaching of the word of God and ministering to others. Those things that are lasting, uh, uh, covet those gifts. Uh, they were making a big deal about tongues and all that. And uh, Paul had this one of the, that's one of the gifts that Paul says, you know, whether it be prophecies, they shall fail, tongues, they shall cease. He talks about that. Some of those things fade away. Covet earnestly the best gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 31. In 1 Corinthians 14, 39, Paul was actually speaking about the superiority of just preaching the word of God plain and true, how, how more superior that is than speaking in tongues. And he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy uh, and forbid not to speak with tongues. Tongues was still happening at that time in the biblical manner. But he said, Come, earn, earnestly desire to prophesy. Uh, what you want is, is people that speak clearly the word of God so others can understand. And uh, so covet, that's, that's kind of a good covetousness. But this was an evil covetousness. We'll take what you have until, until we need nothing and nobody dare take from us. That's kind of how they were. <clears throat> Uh, and uh, verse 12, Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood and establishes a city by violence. So we've seen, uh, uh, we've seen here looking at, looking at some of these sins going from pride, what, to drunkenness, and now what, to violence. Don't we see a progression in that even in lost people and in nations today? Pride, uh, it st- started out with pride, a turning away from God. He is lifted up in his heart. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not, he is lift, lifted up in, in his heart. is not, not right. And, uh, and he says, uh, uh, but the just shall live, what? By his faith. You can look at two, there's, there's, there's two pictures, pictures there, pride and prayer. You see, and those who are, I've got, I've got this under control. That's pride. That's pride. And, uh, and, and after that comes the drunkenness uh, and, and the violence and the dishonesty. And uh, woe to him that buildeth a town, establishes a city by iniquity, violence. Uh, verse 13, Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in the very fire and the people shall weary themselves for vanity? What's he saying there? <clears throat> people in their sinful natures labor for the very thing that will bring God's fiery judgment upon them. They labor and live and strive and sacrifice for the very thing that will destroy them. Isn't that an amazing thing? And the Bible says that God has said it that way in the earth because he wants us to see that our existence here is vain. You know, it just, it's just round and round. And unless we look up, it, it, it's, gonna, it, it's, ama- it's not amazing to me that there are people that lose their mind in the world. It's amazing to me there aren't more. You know, because every day you do the same, every day you work to eat, and, every, and, and the next day you're hungry again. You, know? yeah. you do go out and get those nice shiny things, and you think they'll satisfy you, and they don't. And you're no sooner, you know, bought a new car, and you're looking at the neighbor's new one that he got the next week, you know. And it's round, it's, it's one to more people don't lose their mind, you know. God made it that way, why? So we'd look up. So we'd look for eternal things. Realize here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come, Amen. Or we should be, and he wants us to be. They labor in the very fire. People in this sinful nature labor the very thing that will, what will destroy their lives. They, they labor and weary themselves, or the very thing will destroy them and leave them weary and empty. 
and they give their life for that. It's a sad thing to behold. How many have reaped the evil that they have sown upon this earth, and yet another comes right behind him with the same deception that, 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 that he'll be a victor in that thing. No. No, it just goes round and round. Romans 8.20, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. We were subjected into vanity because of the fall, you see. Uh, that wasn't God's original design. The fall was man's choice, okay? But God, knowing that beforehand, had already planned to subject him to vanity. Why? For our own good. Why was it so hard for Adam and Eve to, to, to why did they have to bring, you know, bring forth labor with the sweat of their brow and it takes so much work? Because idle hands are the devil's playground, okay? And when you have a lost, wicked mind and too much time on your hands, that's not a good thing. So God subjected the earth to vanity for our own good. We'd have to spend more, we have to spend more time working the less time we have to do evil, amen? And uh, that's part of what we need as fallen beings upon this earth, you see? And, uh, and uh, <clears throat> it was really God's mercy that, God's mercy that did that. Uh, idleness was one of the sins of Sodom that drove them uh, to the wickedness that they were in. They apparently had enough riches to, to sit around, just lounge around all, all, all day at times, and they went into vast uh, wickedness. We know that. Uh, uh, verse, uh, verse 14, For the earth is, uh, shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Praise God. God always, I like it when God puts that... That, 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 that shining, oh, that glimmer of light in there, that glimmer of hope, that silver band, you know. Uh, what's it saying there? There is coming a day when the wicked king of, of the world will be conquered and, and, uh, and by the Lord, and he will set his kingdom up, and he'll set his king upon his holy hill of Zion. Amen. He will reign with a rod of iron, but he will reign in righteousness and holiness. There won't be a robbing of people. There'll be possession of lands. There'll be private property. There'll be all those things. There'll be, there'll be business going on in a righteous and holy manner. And for a thousand years, uh, Jesus is going to show us how to do it. Amen. And, uh, and we're going to get to help in, in, in that reign. Uh, believers are. And that's going to be a wonderful time. <clears throat> uh, verse 15. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink and puttest thy bottle to him. And makest him drunken also, that he may look on their nakedness. Pride, drunkenness, violence, gross immorality. You see the degradation? It just keeps going downhill, downhill. And, uh, and that's where the Babylonians were going. And uh, Proverbs 23, 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it goeth, giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Stay away from it. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. You seek that? you will become corrupt. It'll not only corrupt you physically, it'll corrupt you morally and, and spiritually. And, uh, and so, uh, it, it, so it did. And uh, a lot of those great kingdoms that imploded 
you know, were full of homosexuality and things uh, uh, it was what was a part of, of what ended up ended up destroying destroying those nations. Violence, drunkenness, all those things, uh, sinful pleasures, and uh, and uh, apart from God, that's where those things lead. And uh, and so we need to we need to be aware and awake, Amen. Praying, and we need to be like Habakkuk. God put me on the watchtower. And, uh, you know, I was thinking today, this morning, just about what an odd duck we are. <laughs> you know, as, as the world goes on, well, we just keep getting, you know, you know, what's the funny thing is, we haven't moved. And yet what? It's getting farther and farther away, the difference between how a Bible believer lives and, and how the world lives. You start talking, talking things today about, about a husband and a wife and a wife submitting to the husband and the wife, you know, being the keeper at home, the husband going, going, out, going out at work, and the world's like, whoa, what cave did you do crawl out of, you know? And, uh, I mean, they just don't understand it. See, the lost can't understand the deeper things of God. Somebody's got to get born again before they understand God's wisdom and all that. Amen. And uh, Jesus will save them. Amen. And he'll give them light. He'll give them understanding. By the way, the world ought to look at the world's kids. How are they doing? How's all that that they think is going better? How's it working out? I mean, that alone ought to send them searching for God. And, uh, and hopefully, as Brother Charlie was saying, there'll be some revivals about that. Some of them will wake up and begin to see that. And there's nothing there. There's nothing to grab a hold of there. And... Uh, and they need God. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your church tonight. I thank you for your word. And um, I thank you for uh, giving us so many uh, windows into the relationship that you have with your people, uh, your prophets and uh, those that believed in you and those that simply served you in their everyday lives, God. And, and we have all these windows to look into and God, so that we can, we can walk with you in our lives and, and we can look into our own window and see how we're doing. And, and Lord, are we availing ourselves of all you've provided for us? And, and you have given us all that we need to, to be godly and to follow you. We were seeing in some of the other studies here, God, and I pray you'd help us to be faithful in that. And we do pray for revival here in Corvallis and our country and and souls to be saved through the ministry of our missionaries around the world as well. And, and Father, I do pray that by your Spirit, you'd help us not to lose heart. I pray that you'd keep us encouraged. And I pray, dear God, that with the fullness of your Spirit, we would continue to speak the truth in love uh, and, and pray for those opportunities to, that you would give us to do so. Father, we pray for more to be saved. How can we walk with you and, Father, no such fulfillment, no such hope, uh, no such joy, no such peace, God, and not want, not want someone else to know it. Because one day if, uh, we'll remember we didn't have it either. And, uh, and, God, I pray that you would just help us to be mindful of that and, uh, and help us this week, Father, to be witnesses for you. Call upon your name quickly. Uh, dear God, and to find the strength that we need to meet whatever might be facing us at the moment. And Father, help us to be careful. Thank you and praise you. Yes, these things in Jesus' name. Amen.